Thank you. It's such a privilege for us to be with you. Some of you uh, that were here in March last uh, year, there's a whole bunch of us that have just done a conference here in Liverpool, and we've just done exactly the same conference uh, just now, um, and we had about 160 uh, leaders from different parts of Europe all gathered together in the, in the most wonderful city in the world, Liverpool. And uh, so it was just a, a terrific time. Just introducing all these people to your great city was great as well. I do, as Chris has just said, passionately believe that God's purpose is to place local churches like Freedom Church into families of churches. It's not his will for us to stay isolated. It's not his will for us to stay independent in terms of you know, we've got it all together, we haven't, we need one another, we need the, the, the wider body of Christ. It's fantastic to be provoked by what God is doing in other parts of the world, uh, especially here in the UK, we can get our heads down and it can all get a little bit like uh, a bit heavy because not a lot's happening. So I love the provocation of being part of a wider family where I'm always being encouraged and it's just such a privilege. And uh, so whether you like it or not, you're part of a family of churches and uh, called New Grounds. And we've, this has all happened relationally over the last few years. And it's a relationship that's growing. And we're absolutely thrilled that you're part of what we're doing together. Um, I was, when I was with you in March, I really felt um, God spoke to me to bring that, a word to you but from Isaiah about the spirit of the Lord is upon us. No doubt, not many of you remember that, but it's... Uh, uh, I've come similarly, I came up to this uh, Sunday not quite sure what to bring. So I've had that confirmed so many times and it was even with Chris just a couple of days ago just chatting and talking and felt that this was uh, something that could really resonate with you. And, and, and through conversations about the Alpha uh, advert and through some of the things that these guys have just shared as well, you'll now hear me say things that have already been said, which is the way God often does speak to us through many different voices and combinations, and it's wonderful to know that it is God who's speaking. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, which you might have, um, we'll turn to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read together from verses 1 to 11. And you can keep your Bibles open there, because I'm going to be kind of staying there and um, spending some time looking at this particular passage. You'd have heard this read before, and you'd have read it for yourself, but... I just want to draw out some things, um, very simple, straightforward things that I want. I'm asking God to speak to some individuals here this morning, but also for you, Freedom Church, to begin to take some of these principles on board. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing, this is Jesus, by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing. Another translation of that is mending, because that's what you do when you fish. You come back, you clean it, you, you mend things so that you can keep the fish uh, when you go out fishing. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. If you've ever been out on a lake, it's amazing how voices carry when you're when you're speaking. If you've noticed that across the water, so there we go. Just a, that's got nothing to do with my sermon, but <laughs> Jesus was right. He just the crowds. There were so many crowds. He just came out a little bit so he could speak to all of them, so they could all hear him. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish to the extent that their nets were breaking. And they had a signal to their partners, come, come, come quickly and get another boat and come and help us. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and they were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Now, it's amazing, just to draw back from this story before we just look at, I want you to imagine what's going on here before we get into the details of the story. Just one little thing, which I think is important for us today who are Christians. And that is this. I see in this passage of Scripture, could lots of, lots of others, uh, a pattern which needs to resonate in our lives. So here's Simon, and he doesn't kind of know Jesus very well, but he's kind of following him. And, and sometimes when you become a Christian, you start that journey of kind of following Jesus, but it's, you, you're not quite sure about a number of things. That's why foundation courses and things are like that are important to understand who Jesus is. And you'll notice, if you've still got that, the Bible open, it says in verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. It's kind of like rabbi, teacher, interesting person who I'm getting to know. And I think that when we become Christians, we're so grateful, because this is what's going to happen to Simon. Jesus is about to invade his life. And so he becomes part of our story. This Jesus becomes part of our story. And and we're so thrilled and our sins are forgiven and we've got a new purpose in life and life kind of gets very exciting. Then this amazing miracle happens and the revelation comes as to who Peter, Simon Peter, is really following. And I just want you to notice this because it then goes on to say in verse 8, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he's gone from master, interesting rabbi who I'm following because I'm interested in Jesus and you're changing my life, hallelujah, to Lord, I'm giving everything to you. And look at the final verse that we looked at. And they left everything and they followed him. What's the application of this? It's simple. To be honest with you, and many of us, when we start this journey, we're so grateful that Jesus has come into our story. But actually, the purpose that he's got for us is that we get into his story. This Christian life is not about you and me. It's not only about our lives being changed, wonderful though that is. It's that as we grow as Christians, we realise this is not uh, him invading my life, my story but him catching me up in his wonderful story, which goes on for eternity. Hallelujah. I'd love everybody here to get to that. You need to get to that place as Christian. Life's tough. And life's tough being a Christian in Liverpool in 2020. But when you've left everything 
to follow him. That changes everything. It's a done deal. I've died to, to what I'm living for. I'm, living, I'm grateful for my kids and my family and my job and my house and I'm so grateful I'm living in the best city in the world. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for calling me to Liverpool. But the reality is you're not really living for yourself anymore. This church isn't really living for the name of Freedom Church. Good name though that is. We're living for the kingdom. We're living for the glory of God. We're caught up in his story. I want to bring three things from this passage very quickly. The first is the challenge of faith. So when these guys were just sharing all their stories about faith and John particularly stealing my sermon at the end there, <laughs> let me repeat what he said. The first thing I want to draw out is the huge challenge of faith that we see here in this passage. Verse 4. It's just all there. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Uh, this is for the fishermen, the, 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 those who are now disciples of Jesus and about to become more fully disciples of Jesus. This situation is absolutely crazy. This guy is telling us to go out and fish. And we have already fished all night. This is not going to happen, what Jesus has just told them. Go out, fish again, same place and you'll get a great catch. No, no, it's not going to happen. We know that we will not catch any fish. We know. You're a carpenter, we're the fishermen. Stick to your carpentry. We are the experts, you're a novice, you don't know anything about fishing and fish. You're a nice guy. You mean well. You're doing good things, but we know better than you. We know that there's no fish that's out there and I don't know about you but I just kind of like to imagine the situation but they get in their boats anyway and it's kind of like they start to put up the sails and maybe there's a bunch of them in the boat and they start rowing out and I can imagine some of them as they're rowing saying why are we doing this we've already done this all night why are we going back to the same and someone else says because this guy who works miracles told us to do it and Someone else said, he's a nice guy, don't upset him, just keep rowing. It's kind of like, and we're rowing out back there and it's, we're going out to the same area. We know this is a total waste of time. You understand what's going on here? It's a total waste of time, it's not going to happen. But they're doing something, even though they don't quite know what they do. And verse 5 is a major key. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. We took nothing. And then look at this phrase. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. In other words, because you say so. It's kind of like maybe, just maybe, there's a chance <laughs> that something might happen. You see, if you understand the story, Peter has already been hanging around. Simon Peter, he's already been hanging around Jesus for a while. If you look at John chapter 1 and 2, the first miracle Jesus ever performed was the, at the wedding of Cana. And it says that Peter was there. So he saw water turned into wine. He, he kind of got that miracle. And if you're still have your Bibles open, look at chapter 4, verse 38. And, 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 and Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Okay, so Simon's house has been invaded by Jesus. Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. 
And he stood over her, Jesus, rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, as some were setting, all those who had, who had any who were sick and with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them, and he healed them. So here we've got Simon Peter, and he's looking at Jesus. He's hanging around the edge. He's seen the water turn into wine. He's seen his mother-in-law, and that's got to be a miracle, healed. <laughs> when I read that passage, I'm not sure that he wanted his mother-in-law healed. <laughs> But the reality is Peter was always hungry. That was his motivation. And he couldn't cook. So the mother-in-law got healed and then she cooked. Anyway, so anyway. But he's kind of like, he's kind of intrigued with Jesus. He's he's kind of like, and I think that's where we get to chapter 5, verse 5. But at your word, the one who turned the water into wine, maybe you could catch, we could have a catch of fish. And the one who healed my mother-in-law, he's kind of intrigued. And he's thinking to himself, he could do it. Will he do this? Will he make this happen? And the promise is, if you will do what I tell you to do, you will get a great catch of fish. And this is the basis of faith. This is how faith works. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How do we know that's true? Well, we think about the person, like Peter was doing here, who made the promise. We think about the one who said, I will do something. Who said that? Jesus. Can he build his church? Absolutely. Can he actually cause a great catch of fish, a miracle, when there's nothing happened all night? Yes, he can. Why? Because he's the son of God and because he's risen from the dead and he is alive. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father and has all authority in heaven and earth. And he's made a promise. He'll build his church, we'll have a big catch of fish. It's important for us to understand today that you have to think of the person who made the promise for faith to actually operate. You see, if I was to promise you something this morning, you would not be very wise, actually, to go for it just because I promised it to you. Some of you don't know me. So, because you don't know me, that would be foolish to follow my promise. Some of you who do know me (laughs) might say, well, sometimes you do things and sometimes you don't. And some of you are looking at the colour of my hair and you're thinking, well, you might have forgotten the promise by the time you even get round (laughs) to reminding us what it was. This is Jesus who makes the promise. This is the one you can absolutely trust. He has all authority. He can do it. And he's a faithful God. So everything he's promised in your life that you read from the word, you can absolutely believe that it will come to pass. And sometimes when the things he's promised us, there's a delay. Nothing seems to happen. Have you noticed that? You're thinking of the promises of God and you're thinking, well, Lord, I've been asking you this for some time and nothing really seems to have been happening. There's nothing going on. But the reality is this, that even though there's a delay in the promise, it doesn't mean the promise has changed. It doesn't mean its authority has changed. It's just the timing. It's just the timing. God knows the best time for us to receive the promises that he has. And when there's a delay, we personally and as a church community, we're waiting for God to do things. We really need to keep on believing the promise. We toiled all night. Is that somehow like you feel here in Liverpool? 
as a church community, we kind of toiled all night. We took nothing. And now we're being told to fish back in the same place again. I think a lot of church life is actually very much like this. And keeping faithful and persevering and exercising faith and keeping on praying and keeping on persevering. Posture. Keeping the hands up as we heard in our worship. Here we go, Freedom Church. We're rowing out again. The elders have said, do another Alpha course. But we did an Alpha course. (laughs) And we toiled all night. And they say, go and do an Alpha course again. But we didn't catch... Who are they? We didn't catch anything. And while we're rowing out to do Alpha again, we come again, we come again, we come again. Sometimes you have one person or two people and three people and you do it again and you do it again. And God says, keep going because this is what Christianity is like in the world in which we live right now. And there's something wonderful about our people who persevere and keep going and faithful. Small group again, out on the streets again, another Alpha group. But we didn't see... God knows this. But there's something wonderful being built in us as we don't stop and as we keep going out. And just very, very quickly... Just to say this, this little bit here about they're they're mending their nets or they're washing their nets. Has it ever occurred to you? Listen, I want you to to really get hold of this. Has it ever occurred to you that in the grace of God, we might not be quite ready for this massive, great, big uh, invasion of, of bursting, sinking ships? And the nets are really important if we're going to have a massive catch. Seems to me that they didn't lose any of the fish. They had to say to another boat, come over. My church community in London started a second meeting on the basis of Luke chapter 11, uh, Luke chapter 5, on this passage. Because we have so many people, we thought, what are we going to do? We have to start, we have to get another boat. We have another meeting, fill that one up as well. And it's kind of like the, the, the nets are really important. Something needs to happen in our hearts sometimes. We need to get ready for the people that God is going to send us. Listen, it's going to get messy. You already think Freedom Church is messy. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because when the multitudes start coming in with all the baggage, and we know the gospel surely is this, it's not, folks, sort your lives out and come to Jesus. It's come to Jesus, he'll sort out your life. Guess what that means? There's half-formed people like you. Don't nod thinking, yeah, he's talking about someone else. Like you. We're messy. And there's more mess that's coming. It's important that we understand this. And some of this may be, we're thinking, well, we like Freedom Church as it is. You're just about put down a net, it's going to change. It's going to have to be inclusive. It's going to have to be more di- diverse diversity. There are changes that are coming. And I really passionately believe this. If, if 50 people became Christians and joined this church community, who's going to look after them? A couple of guys? A couple of girls? No, you, all of us. It's a one another moment. Maybe just maybe God's getting freedom church ready. You might not know that. And you're thinking, why are we going to see all these? Well, maybe we're mending some nets and maybe we're getting some things in order. A couple of, uh, 20 years ago, I heard a guy from New Zealand who I knew who was pastoring a church and he felt God spoke to him about going to a certain place in Auckland, the capital of New Zealand, the fourth 
most popular city in the world. I've never been there, but I'm just throwing that one in. Anyway, so he, he, he said, but Lord, we can't go there because it's so tough and every church plant that's ever been there has always failed. So God say to him, you must go and you take your family and you'll go there. So he took his family, left his other church which he planted, he went down to this place and it was so tough. And he said that it was me and my family and a few people joined us and after a year, most of them left us. So it's me back with my family again. But we kept going, we kept going, we kept going. And then an alcoholic lady who, uh, who didn't know Jesus came and joined them but loved their community. So she just hung around with them. And they would try to help her in her development and there were moments when she seemed to break through and go back to drink again and then break through and come back to drink again. And then one day he said, I don't know what, what happened, but she suddenly came through and she just got released. It's about another year and a half later. So there's just 20 of them and this alcoholic lady who's got one of these saved then she got baptised and she got filled with the Spirit and her life has changed. She was delivered from alcohol. And then the next Sunday, she brought 20 people just like her into the meeting. And he said, I'll never forget this, he said, God, he said, I heard God say to me, I gave you one. And I watched to see whether you would be able. And now I'm going to give you a whole load. His church is now a thousand people. Because God just kept... He mended some nets. He got ready. He got, he got his community built up and ready. So God said, I'll give you more. Maybe that's what's going to happen with us. That's point number one. Don't worry, I'm going to be over by in a few minutes. <laughs> point number two. The point number one is the challenge of faith. Point number two is action. We notice this when Simon says, I will put, I will let down my nets. That's actually important that it's not that he just believes that Jesus can be given a big catch. He's involved. There's something that Simon and the other fishermen have to do before the fish can get into the nets. Verse 6, look, and when they had done this, that's an important little phrase, they had to do something. And when they had done this, you see, faith requires action always. Jonathan stole this from me when he was sharing this a moment ago. <laughs> Your faith has made you well. There's something about faith, persevering faith, particularly here in the UK, that, that I believe God really loves. And we keep going and we do things. It's not our doing that makes it happen. But it's as we step out that the promise that God has made can become a reality. Those guys who let their friend down through the roof and invaded that meeting so that their friend could be healed. Jesus commended everything that was going on. He often says, your faith has made you well. Like Jonathan just said a minute ago, to the blind guy, you know, what do you want? It's like he's, he wants action. The action with the blind one was to, to confess what he wanted. The woman who touched him in the crowd, she touched him. She did something to get his attention. I mean, why do these disciples have to fish again? Why did they have to let their nets down again? Why do they have to go back out again? Something in the going out and the mending of the nets and putting the nets down and doing this was really important. I mean, God is a miraculous God. The boat could have gone, come, come, God, the boats could have gone out there, sorry if this is just my imagination, and all the fish could have just jumped in. Or, or they didn't even have to go out and all the fish could have jumped over everything out of the sea to land. So why didn't he do it that way? He's a miracle-working God. He can do it. 
there's something in the ingredient of these disciples having to let their nets down again and having to do something. And the miracle comes when faith is not faith alone in the promises but actually becomes an action. God responds to active faith. And I sometimes feel that my, my faith can be a little bit passive. So he's asking me to do things. And it's as we do things they begin to happen. Hebrews chapter 11 is the story of men and women and it's called the story of the heroes of faith. That's what people call it. I want you to understand that these people were no different to you. They weren't special. They were just people like you and me. Exactly the same. And if there is a difference between them and us, it's purely this. I think when I read through their stories, they were men and women of action. They'd seen the promise. They believed God could do it. And then they went and did it. So God says to Abraham, I'm going to send you to a land that I'm going to give to you. What does he do? He steps out. The phrase about it is, he went out not knowing where he was going. But he went. And he found out where he was going because he started to walk. So important that we understand this. So God spoke to Noah and said, build an ark because the rains are coming. And it says of Noah, and by faith he built an ark. See, I think some Christians think that if you wait long enough like this in the meeting, verily the ark will just come down from heaven (laughs) during worship time. Sing a little louder. It's going to come. But it it really doesn't happen like that. He had to build it. And as he built it, and people laughed at him, he just kept building. That was faith. That was the action that was required. We can go on. Why did they walk around Jericho? Isn't that a weird story? Those buildings, could, they could have collapsed without them. But somehow there's the ingredient of God working and moving and doing things that will make something begin to happen. What has God said to Freedom Church and to individuals here? What action is there that is now required for us to begin to do something for the glory of God. Number three, and with this we close, and this is a very, very important part of this message, the miracle that then begins to happen. The challenge of faith, even when there are delays, the challenge to move into action, because that's really important to see things happen, and finally, the expectation that when God moves, a miracle will happen and it can happen suddenly. Because suddenly the boats are beginning to sink and suddenly the nets feel like they're going to break because suddenly a miracle has taken place. This isn't one fish. This isn't three fish. This is crazy. This has gone from nothing we toiled all night to one of the greatest miracles. It's such a miracle. It's the only way to get through to fishermen. Because how is he going to convince them that he's the Messiah like this? You remember the start of this message? You're a carpenter, we're fishermen, we know these things. Okay, Jesus says, then I'll give you a miracle that will show you that I am the Son of God. And they fall down on their knees because it's the greatest miracle. They, They know this is God. They know this can't be man. They know, they know 
that God has suddenly broken through and worked a miracle. Did you know that the word suddenly comes more in the book of Acts than any other book in the Bible? Suddenly. If you read through Acts, you'll hear the suddenly. Acts chapter 2. Suddenly there was the sound of of wind coming. Why is that significant? It's significant because we still live in the age of the Acts of the Apostles. Nothing's changed. This is still the age of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost that we live in today. And so just like the New Testament Christians, we should be full of expectation that God can and will suddenly break through. To get your nets mended, if you get yourself prepared and get ready, I believe God can work a miracle. I believe this church could just, of course it could, it could just suddenly explode and we'll be going, whoa. This was not something we planned or strategized. It was something that God, God only did. I think, again, these New Testament Christians in Acts were just like you and me. They weren't any different from us. But I tell you what, they did believe in suddenlies. They did believe that God would break through. They did believe that he could suddenly come and do something that's amazing. I really don't want us, as we bring this to a close, to adopt a Christianity which is the same old, same old. I think some of us, I know that can happen to me, I just kind of get into the mould that this is Christianity that we're enjoying now. It's probably as good as it gets. We kind of, especially those of us who've toiled all night, I think we can get a little bit cynical. I think we can get, we can get a little bit lower in our expectations. Well, you know, it's probably just the way it is. It's hard here in the Western world. And we've forgotten the God of miracles. We've forgotten the God who can suddenly speak a word, speak the word, boom, let there be light. Speak the word, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He can suddenly come and do miraculous things because God is the God of suddenlies. You know, in China right now, there's probably the greatest revival that's ever happened that's going on. The estimate is that 10,000 people in China are coming to Jesus every day. That's 10,000 more today. They are calculating that if this continues by the the year 2050, it could even be 50% of the nation who have come to Christ, which is why the authorities right now have decided to, to clamp down and redo persecution, which is about the worst thing the authorities can do. Because we all know when you start persecuting it, it grows even more. And, and, and this was a nation which we all kind of grew up thinking, well, of course, they're communists, there's nothing. Suddenly God speaks. And suddenly God does something of enormous proportions. And I don't want to live the rest of my life thinking, we're just a mess in Europe. We're just unchurched. The millennials aren't interested in the gospel. Families are in despair. Mental health is is such a problem, it's almost overwhelming. It's just, it's just beyond us. And think, well, the Christian church will just struggle along in the background somewhere. Listen, this is our moment. This is the opportunity for revival to come and to really move amongst us. And suddenly, God can speak and he can work and do an amazing miracle amongst us.